Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. So this morning, I am excited to, to get into this topic that as we once again turn to this series, this question of, of who am I? Ephesians 1, 18 through 21 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. That you may know the, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And that you may know his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. One of the the reasons that biblical Christianity sometimes seems like it has to be so drastically distorted is because it, it just seems like the, the actual truth won't sell. It just seems like no one would want to buy what the actual truth of Christianity is. The, the market wants power to escape weakness. They want power to escape weakness in leisure without having to put any effort or energy into it. But Christianity offers the power to endure weakness in love. In 2 Corinthians 2, 1 through 10, Paul talks about a vision. He says, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and, and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that. But I will not boast about myself except about my weakness. Even if I should choose to boast, I would would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. Or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan to torment me. And three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Verse 9 just 
It just doesn't sell. Jesus says in response to Paul's prayer, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Nobody, nobody wants weakness. Nobody wants to acknowledge weakness. Nobody wants to encourage that in their life. And so this feeling is that, that we need to somehow distort the, the truth, that we need to change the word of God so that people actually walk in the front doors of the church and say, yeah, sign me up, it's okay. But in doing so, we have, have created a problem. By distorting the message to make it more immediately appealing, we have, have lost the truth of the message and we've created this false idea that when you come and you become a follower of Christ, that, that there is no more weakness, that there is no more hardship, that there is no more suffering. And the fact of the matter is that is not true. And if we say that it is the first time that believer comes in and experiences hardship, the immediate response is, I've been had. The other thing that we miss out on if we, we don't recognize that there is hardship, that there is weakness that exists in this life, is we miss out on the chance of our deepest need to be met in the midst of hardship, in the midst of adversity. And so this morning as we go through and we look at this scripture in 1 Corinthians, we are going to, to look at what the word of God says about weakness. We're going to talk about the, the Christian experience, the follower of Christ experience. And there are three questions that we need to ask. What are the weaknesses that Paul has in mind when he says that the power of Christ is made perfect in weakness? What is the, the source of those weaknesses? Do they come from Satan? Do they come from God? Do they come from both? What is the purpose of that weakness in my life? Is there a goal for why this is something that I'm going through? So this first question, what is weakness? What are the, the weaknesses that Paul has in mind when he quotes Jesus saying in verse nine that my power is made perfect in weakness? The, the safest way to, to answer what weakness is is to, to kind of look at the other words that we see in this verse. In verse 10, he uses the word insults. When people think of, of clever ways of making my faith, the way I live, the, the God that I serve, look stupid or weird or inconsistent, when we're being mocked, when we're being insulted, when we're being made fun of, that can be considered a weakness. If we look at another word that we find in verse 10, hardships, 
there's a, a circumstance that has been forced upon you that, that had you had your way, you would have never chosen at all. This could be a, a situation maybe involving your health, something that you didn't plan, something that's happening in your family, something that you didn't want to have happen, but here you are, and it's hard. There's persecutions, or wounds, or abuses, or, or painful circumstances due to other people's prejudice, due to other people's willingness to exploit you. When you're not treated fairly. And finally, there's, there's calamities. Or distresses or difficulties or troubles and the words just go on and on and on and it's this idea of of pressure pushing on you crushing you weighing you down where circumstances are beginning to overcome and overwhelm you it's important to note that when we're talking about god's strength being made perfect in our weakness Weakness doesn't refer to sin. Weakness doesn't refer to imperfect behaviors. We don't say that God's strength is made perfect in in my weakness for lust and my my weakness for overeating or, or some other weakness that may exist. He's not talking about the bad choices that we make. He's not saying that the the power of God is made perfect in my bad choices. What are these weaknesses? They're circumstances, they're situations, they're experiences and wounds that, that make us look weak things that we would probably get rid of if we had the choice. There was a little boy. He was 10 years old. He was blind. He was autistic. And at four years old, he was at a a children's crusade, and he gave his life to Christ, and he immediately went forward, and he took a microphone, and he started to sing, and he had a beautiful voice. And it at 10 years old, he, he was invited to a concert and he was allowed to choose the song that he was going to sing and he chose to sing, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. That is a perfect illustration of God's strength being made perfect in weakness. A circumstance that that little boy obviously would have never chosen a circumstance that that little boy's parents would have obviously never chosen. And yet in the midst of all of that, God uses that hard, difficult circumstance and says, this can still bring glory to my name. If we're strong Sometimes we feel like maybe if I could just return that insult with such effective 
strength and accuracy that no one would ever say something like that to me again. If I was strong, maybe I could take charge of of my own fortune and I could make sure that I'm provided for the way that I want to be provided for. If I'm strong, maybe I could turn back persecution so forcefully that everybody would know that they shouldn't mess with me anymore. If I'm strong, then maybe I could use my own resources to get out of the situations that I find myself in. The fact of the matter is we aren't that strong. And even if we are that strong, Christians have been called to use that strength in a different way. Jesus tells us not to return evil for evil. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 12 through 13, when reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we try to conciliate. We've become like the refuse of the world and the the off-scouring of all things. In other words, we are to not put so much focus on what is happening to us here today, right now, in this moment, but we are to look forward to eternity. So the answer to our first question is that weaknesses are not sins, but they are experiences and situations and circumstances and, and wounds and the things that are impossible, seemingly impossible to bear that we can't remove. Either because they're beyond our control or because love dictates that we not return evil for evil. Things that are, are a part of us. And so where do they come from? What is the source of such weakness? Do they come from Satan? Do they come from God? Where where do they come from? If we look at the example in our text this morning, if we look at Paul's thorn in the flesh, in verses one through four, Paul describes this amazing revelation this revelation, this insight into God's glory. How easy would it be after seeing something like that to think that maybe you're just a little bit better than that other person that's down the street? Maybe you're just a little bit better than your next door neighbor. I mean, have you seen what they do? Maybe you're just a little bit better than that person that's in another country. Maybe you're just a little bit better than that person that has a different color skin than you. Maybe you're you're just a little bit better than someone else. But in verse seven, it shows what actually happened and says, to keep me from being too elated. Another translation is, to keep me from exalting myself to keep me from being conceited by the abundance of revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from exalting myself. 
Now, this thorn in the flesh, we don't necessarily know what it was, whether it's a, a physical issue, some relentless enemy that was chasing after him, or, you know, whatever it was, it was a weakness. We know this because he prays to God, and he says, God, take this away. Just like all of us have prayed to God, saying, God, take this thing away from me. This thing that, that is too difficult for me, this thing that, that is uncomfortable, this thing that is creating a problem in my life, God, take it away. And he asks three times. And God answers in verse 9, my power is made perfect in weakness. That can almost be discouraging. Maybe right now, right now, today, in this moment, you were praying, God, take this thing away. And maybe the answer is that God's power is made perfect in weakness. The, the thorn in, in Paul's flesh is, is one of the weaknesses that we're talking about. It's referred to as a messenger of Satan. So one clear answer here is that some weaknesses come from Satan. Satan afflicts the children of God through his demons, through his messengers. His aim is destruction. His aim is death. His aim is misery. His aim is separation of you from God. But it's not that simple. Satan is not the only one at work here. God is at work. This thorn is not just the work of Satan to destroy. What, what the enemy has meant to destroy, God can use to bring about life. It is the, the work of God to save and to rescue. When Paul describes the, the purpose of this thorn, he, he says that the reason that I have this issue, whatever it may be, is to prevent me from becoming too prideful. And Satan's whole design is to produce pride, not to prevent it. Satan kills with pride in what we have done, with pride in who we are. He, he kills with despair over what we haven't done. Paul's revelation in paradise made him vulnerable to pride. It made him vulnerable to self-exaltation. And God uses the, the hostile intentions of the enemy for Paul's holiness, to, to make him holy. Satan wanted to make Paul miserable. He wanted Paul to, to say, this is just not worth it. Can you imagine if he was successful and he said, is, is this really what it means to be a follower of Christ? And if that was where, where Paul stopped, what, what would have happened So God appointed this 
thorn that Satan was using for the work of salvation. That, that line of that song of he's taken what the enemy meant for evil and he has turned it for good. This should be exciting. This should be encouraging that the things that the enemy is bringing against you, God can use for good. The other reason that we know that this thorn that, that is being used in Paul's life is God's work and not just Satan's is that when Paul prays in verse 8 that God would take it away, he says, no, because my power is made perfect in your weakness. No, I have a purpose in what you are going through. I have a purpose for this weakness that you are experiencing. I have a plan for your life. For those of you that are here praying this morning, God, take this weakness away. God, deal with this area in my life. And sometimes the answer is okay. The answer is yes, that he will, will move in that area. But the other times it is, you have this for a reason. You are experiencing this for a reason. Just like it was with Job. God permits Satan to afflict Job. And God takes those things and he turns them into his good purposes. So the answer to our second question is that the source of our weakness may sometimes be the enemy and his destructive designs for us. It may sometimes be the devil wanting to bring about the worst in your life, wanting to kill your hope. But always our weaknesses are designed by God for our good. That's why the, the truth of God's grace is so precious in the midst of hardship. It's so precious in the midst of calamity. God is in control. God is in control of Satan. Satan does nothing to God's children that God does not see. And with infinite skill that he turns to our good. And this brings us to this last question, which really we've already answered. What is the purpose of weakness in my life? What is the purpose of this weakness? Is there a goal or an aim for why this weakness comes about in my life? Why are there insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities and troubles? Why can't I find a job? Why am I, I trapped in a, in a marriage that is full of conflict? Why does a family member have cancer? Why d can't I have children potentially? Why don't I have friends? Why is nothing working in my life? Whatever that area is in your own life, why are you going through that? And Paul gives three answers based off of his own experience, and, and they're important for us to look at today. First off, Satan has a purpose, and his purpose is to buffet or harass us. And it's okay to pray for relief in the midst of those situations. That's what Paul did. He prayed until he got word from the Lord 
what the course of action was going to be. Pain is not a good thing in and of itself. God does not delight in my suffering. Satan does. And he must be resisted. God's purpose is to bring about humility. Paul was in danger of pride and and exalting himself, and God took steps to keep him humble. God thinks that humility is more important than comfort. Sometimes that doesn't sit well with us. Sometimes we would much rather be comfortable. Humility is more important than freedom from pain. We're given mountaintop experiences And then we go through times of anguish, of hardship. And in the midst of that, we're reminded of our need of grace. So God's purpose is our humility and our reliance on him. And finally, God's purpose in our weakness is to glorify the grace and the power of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. God's design is to make me a showcase for Jesus' grace, for Jesus' power, but not necessarily the way the market demands, not necessarily the way that we think would work best, not by getting rid of all of our weakness, but by giving us strength to endure and even rejoice in the midst of it. Are there areas in your life this morning that you've been crying out to God? God, take this area of weakness away from me. And you've been crying out and crying out and crying out and, and nothing seems to be happening. I, I can't presume to be the one that brings about an answer to you this morning, but I would ask the question, is it possible that maybe we're supposed to find strength in the midst of that weakness? Is it possible that in the midst of that hardship, in the midst of that weakness, we've been called to rely on God's grace as being sufficient? In Hebrews 11, it says that by faith, some escaped the edge of the sword, and by by faith, some were killed by the sword. By faith, Some stopped the mouths of lions, and by faith, others were sawn asunder. By faith, some were mighty in war, and by faith, others suffered chains and imprisonment. The ultimate purpose of God in our weakness is to glorify the kind of power that moved Christ to the cross. 
and kept him there until the work of love was done. Paul said that that Christ being crucified, that Jesus being crucified on the cross was foolishness to the Greek, a stumbling block to the Jewish people, but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. The deepest need that we have in the midst of adversity, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of weakness is not quick relief, but confidence that what is happening to us is part of God's purpose in this universe. That it is not happening outside of his purview. That it's not going by unnoticed. That in the midst of that hardship, the glorification of the grace and the power of his son, Jesus Christ, that grace and power that took him to the cross and kept him there until the work of love was done. That's what God is building in our lives. That's why we are called powerful in the midst of our deepest need. Who am I? I am powerful not because of anything that I've done. I am powerful because I have the strength of God in the midst of my weakness. And his grace is sufficient for me. Heavenly Father, we come this morning and we recognize that you are our strength. God, that that we have a need for you in the midst of hardship, in the midst of difficulty. And Lord, so often we come and we say, God, take these things away. The fact of the matter is sometimes that is not what happens. God, help us to rely on you. Help us to, to trust in you. Help us to remember your grace as being enough. As we move to our ministry time this morning, I know that there are struggles in this room. I know that each and every one of us, if we are honest with ourselves, if we stop and take a moment, we will find those areas of weakness that exist in our life. This morning as we we move to our ministry time, I encourage you to take a moment and, and look at those areas and say, God, is this something that is to be taken away? Or is this something that I'm to move forward in searching for your strength in the midst of this situation? This morning, we, we have that opportunity to, to come to that point of, of realization that, that God is with you in the midst of the struggles, in the midst of the hardships and the circumstances that you find yourself. God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 